Good morning again, and uh, happy uh, Lord's Day after Christmas, and happy New Year, Lord's Day before 2021. And uh, again, um, I, I really, really am grateful and thankful for each person that I'm looking out there and seeing right now. Um, God has placed you here uh, in His divine providence. So there's no accident that we're gathered here today. And so I, I pray that you'll have great expectations of what the Lord is going to speak to you from His Word and plant in your heart for His great glory and your greatest good. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we call out to Your name. Father, if this has been a tumultuous year of highs and lows, of fears and all kinds of things. Tribulation on tribulation. There's been pain in so many lives this year. Death has come to so many. Yet, Father, You reign. You sit upon Your throne and You are good. And You can be trusted. And you, you have written the end of the story. Uh, Father, I pray that Your church, Your people, that Father, You would encourage their faith. That Father, they would walk by faith, controlled by Your Holy Spirit. And though they walk through the fires, and though they walk through the rushing waters, they shall not touch them. So Father, I pray, You'll encourage our hearts today for our good and for Your glory. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear. Be pleased, Father. And speak for me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, 2020 has been quite a year. Has it not? It's, it's been a year in which fear has gripped the lives of so many. Fear has touched so many lives. Just consider a few things as you think about this past year in review. Probably on the top of the list would be the coronavirus. Now, there's been overload of information out there about this virus. Some of it false, some of it fake, some of it real, legit. Um, it is a real thing. It kills some people. Just real. My life, it seems like within the last month, I have known personally more people that have died um, from COVID. It's, it's been quite sobering. Uh, 
the last of which an acquaintance and, and friend of ours, Mike Stansel, pastor of Fulton Bridge Baptist Church, 48, 49 years old, passed away the day after Christmas. Would have never thought that. Would have never seen that coming. But there's been so much fear and... and, and it, it, regardless of what you think about the coronavirus issue, the fact is devils and demons have weaponized that reality to breed fear in the lives of people. People that are scared to move and scared to, to, to do and be and, and carry out normal life. Uh, for 11 months, it has touched every arena of our life. When you think about this year in review, you can think about the chaos that we have seen in our culture. You think about the chaos that we have seen in city streets. That's not protest that you've seen in some of those places like Seattle and Atlanta and New York. That is anarchy. That is anarchy. And I'm sure it would have Martin Luther King turning over in his grave to know what masquerades these days is protest. It's not protest, but it's anarchy. And that type of, of, of violence breeds fear in communities. I know, I've talked with some people this summer in the height of some of that that was going on. They were literally afraid to go to Walmart because they didn't know what might happen. Didn't know if there'd be a target. Fear. And then I'm not even going to begin to go into the fear that is out there over concerning what looms on the political horizon. I'm not going to even begin to address the corruption, the injustice. Um, it's scary. It can be. There's been a lot of fear. 2020 has been a climate of fear. Now, on the one hand, you take coronavirus and you take chaos and you take corruption and God uses those kinds of things to shake people and wake people up. They are, on the one hand, a call for repentance. But on the other hand, on the other hand, coronavirus and chaos and corruption should never cripple and paralyze the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? We are anchored in eternal realities and eternal truths that do not shake and do not shift regardless of what is going on in the physical realm. And we should rest in those things. And we should find strength in those things. And we should rest in those things. For this life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. And we need to be anchored by eternal truths and eternal realities and eternal things. You see, while some fears are legitimate, not delegitimizing fear, there are some good and healthy fears. Okay, you should. When you hear the, 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 the train siren go off and you're about to go across the railroad tracks, that should strike fear in you if you're caught over the tracks there, okay? There is a good type of fear. But most fears are not legit. 
Most fears are based off of a skewed perception of reality. Most fears are not legit. Fears should not Fears should not cripple the blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fears should not paralyze those of us that are children of the light. Fear should not dominate us because a life that is controlled by fear is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not at all. And it should not be for us. We, we all deal with fear. Some of us are just too scared to admit it. But we all deal with fear in some form. We deal with it. Fear has plagued the human family ever since Genesis chapter 3 and the fall of mankind. You see it. Adam and Eve rushing to sew together fig leaves and hide from God because they were afraid. Fear is a product of the fall of man. And this emotion of negative fear is the way of sinners. It is the way. And you see it, it emerges in the Scriptures over and over again where fear is used to nullify faith and cripple God's people. You see it. You see it, for example, in Genesis 32, Jacob, where Jacob was afraid of Esau. You see it in Exodus 2, where Moses was afraid of Pharaoh. You see it in Numbers, where the spies were freaked out by the giants in the land. You see it by, uh, in 1 Kings 19, where Elijah, after he called down fire from heaven, was running scared from a witch named Jezebel. You see it in Matthew chapter 8, where the disciples who had been with Jesus and seen Him opened blind eyes and caused the lame to walk were afraid and freaked out in a storm. And if you're honest, you see it emerging in your own life from time to time. This thing called fear. (coughs) What fears have paralyzed your life? Some of them legit. Some of them are not. Too often God's people hinder themselves from walking in the fullness of God's plan for their lives. And I don't want that to be true of us. Okay? I don't want that to be true for us. I pray that as we move into this new year, that on this last Sunday, last Lord's Day of 2020, that our faith will be encouraged and we will move into 2021 with a boldness and a fearlessness and a faith that comes from God. Amen? That is my prayer. That is my hope. That's what I want to see. I I don't want us to spend a single second hanging around in the wilderness because we're afraid of the giants out there in the land. I don't want that to be true of us. 
And so on this last Lord's Day of 2020, what I would like to do is I'm stepping outside of my normal box, which is go to a passage and walk through that particular passage verse by verse. What I want to do today is visit some selected Scriptures and learn some lessons, faith-encouraging lessons that we see in the accounts of the birth of Christ from Matthew and Luke. I want us to visit some of the fear nots that surround and are connected to the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want these things to encourage your faith. That is my prayer. Because these are fear-conquering faith promoting life lessons from the birth of Christ. Because I don't, at least concerning these realities, and these are eternal realities, these are eternal truths, I don't want us to have any fear as we move into the new year concerning these things. Concerning these things. So the first thing that I would tell to you, do not fear impossible situations. Why don't you turn in your Bible to Luke chapter number 1 to begin with. And let's read together verses 26 through 28 of Luke chapter 1. And I would hang as a title over this teaching today, No Fear in the New Year, Lessons Learned from the Birth of Christ. I know my titles are paragraphs, but... (laughs) Beginning in verse number 26, the Scripture says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to his city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. There will be no end to his kingdom." And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month 
with her who was called barren for nothing, for nothing, for nothing, verse 37, is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Do not fear impossible situations. Now the scene there in Luke 1 is a tiny town called Nazareth. The person in focus there is a young Jewish girl. Probably around 15 years of age. Probably the age of my daughter, Kelsey. And here she is. Mary. She was a God's girl. She was a faithful Jew. She had a relationship with the Lord. She was engaged to a faithful Jewish young man, Joseph. And then her life was shaken. After her and Joseph, I'm sure, had fought through many temptations, maintaining sexual purity until marriage. She's told that she's about to conceive a child. Imagine how that's going to go over with those around her. That had to blow her mind. The angel Gabriel appeared. A messenger from the Lord. And she immediately began to be troubled inside. She was afraid. And Gabriel says, Hello! Say greetings. Hello! The favor of God's on you. And by the way, you're about to get pregnant. And that had to turn her world upside down. What in the world would she tell people? How would she explain this? How would she... What's she going to tell Joseph? He's going to know that he's not the father of this child. What? So there are all kinds of things that were weighing in on her mind. It troubled her. But what does God, what is God's will for Mary in that moment? The will was spoken through the angel, through the command do not fear. No, it's a scary situation. It seems like a situation that can't be. But you know, you. Your relative Elizabeth, who was barren in old age, she's conceived, she's having a child, and guess what? You, virgin, faithful, you will too. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. What, what part of nothing can we not wrap our minds around? There is nothing impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing. Now, you can get into a philosophical issue and debate, and yes, there are certain things that are impossible with God. It is impossible with God to sin. He cannot sin because that would be a violation of who He is. He's holy. 
But people like to get into those arguments when they want to justify their own belief. I'm not unbelief. I'm not going there. I just want you to know, as far as God's good and great, mighty will for His people, there is nothing impossible for God. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. There's no situation you will find yourself in. And you might need to remember that. Truth and reality about God. Listen, church, right now, while I'm talking right now, some of you may be going into seasons, or you may be in seasons right now where you're facing things that you can't figure out how you're going to deal with it. There are situations that seem like it is impossible to work out. You don't know what you're going to do. I can assure you, there will be, if it's not right now, there will be situations you will move into in this next year that will be beyond your reach and out of your control and will seem like an impossible situation. How are you going to react when you're in it? How are you going to respond when you're in it? Are you going to remain troubled in your heart? Are you going to let fears overtake you? Or are you going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and walk by faith and remember that the Lord has said, do not fear, I've got this. What will it be? You know, I don't know. You may enter this next year and you may find yourself in a situation like three families that I know personally in this month that are moving into a season without their spouse. One family that's not even connected to the families that we've talked about that go to Covenant Christian School. I know of a young, a young couple that got married last summer in their 30s. The wife dropped dead a week before Christmas. Attended Colbert Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. How are they going to handle that? You think, I don't know how I would handle that. I don't know what's going to... Yeah, I mean, you may find yourself where you're in a situation you don't know what you're going to do emotionally. You don't know what you're going to do medically. You don't know what you're going to do financially. You don't know what you're going to do. But I tell you what the church of God can do. They cannot submit to a spirit of fear. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And you can trust God because He is good and He is right and He will not leave you and He will not forsake you, not when you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. You can trust in Him and He will take you through the fires and what seems like something you'll never make it through, this 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 year life that you might have on this earth is but a vapor and then you have eternal joys with your Lord. Wow. Wow. Nothing is impossible with God. Do not fear impossible situations. <clears throat> Number two, 
Do not fear intimidating obedience. Do not fear intimidating obedience. Watch you flip back over to Matthew chapter 1. And let's read verses 18 through 25 where we find a young man by the name of Joseph who was given a command by God that had to be quite intimidating to obey. Beginning in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not, and he had, till she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, here we have Joseph. Husband of Mary, well, husband-to-be of Mary. Betrothed to Mary. The, that, the betrothal carries a lot more weight than the American engagement. It was actually, you had to go through a, a legal process to be able to, um, to break that off. That's why he talks about divorce here in this betrothal, even though they had not been officially married. Here you have this faithful Jew, this man of integrity. I want you to imagine you were in his shoes for a minute. I want you to imagine what must have been running through his mind. Imagine the feeling of betrayal, even though it was an illusion. He, he, he had to be thinking that. Imagine the disillusionment here that had to be going on. His wife has turned up pregnant. He knows he's not the father. She's claiming to be a virgin and had this miraculous experience. You know, I mean, what could be going through his mind? Could it be that the Mary that he had come to know and love was a Mary that he created in his mind and Mary wasn't really the Mary that he thought she was? She really wasn't the lover of God? Perhaps he's beginning to think maybe Mary's just a, a floozy sleeping around with all the Jewish boys and here she's done got caught. She's done ended up pregnant. Who knows what might have been going through his mind. He was wrestling though with, with what to do. There were probably many fears that gripped his heart. Should he just call this off publicly? 
Even in the sting of, of, of a false betrayal, Joseph, he didn't realize it was false, but Joseph was very gracious and very compassionate. He said, I can't do that because that'll end up with putting her to shame and she'll end up being stoned to death. He's, he's deciding in his heart, he says, you know what, I'll, I'll do this quietly. I'll do this, you know, I'll do this on the down low. I'll do this where this isn't going to bring harm to her life. So this is what's going through his mind. And as he's about to do this, he's, he's making up his mind on what to do. Apparently he falls into a dream in which he has an encounter with an angel of the Lord. And as he pondered these thoughts and the angel spoke to him and he said these words, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He's saying, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife and name the child Jesus. Well, this is what Joseph was told. Now I want you to note his reaction and his response. Verse 24, again, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, he knew her not, until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph, notice, Joseph immediately obeyed this intimidating command. Now I want you to think about it. Guys, if we had been in that position... He could have rationalized why this wouldn't be a good idea. He could have focused on his fears. He could have talked himself into disobeying what God had told him because, well, if I disobey this command, it's going to look good for me, like I'm being holy. <laughs> he could have, but instead he just simply obeyed. He simply obeyed. Believers, listen, in this upcoming year, don't be fearful and intimidated by the thing God commands us to do. Do not be slow to obey. When my kids were smaller, we used to have a little saying around the house that, of course, you've heard it. We picked it up from others. Slow obedience is no obedience. Just don't sit around trying to rationalize what you know God is telling you to do. Do it. You care how fearful it... Listen, you may be afraid if I do, if I do what I know God wants me to do, well, I'm going to lose friends. Or I'm going to be... People are going to make fun of me. Or people are going to laugh at me. Or people are going to think, well, who does he think he is if he does... Don't sit around and talk within yourself about whether or not you should or should not obey what God has commanded you to do. Just do it. Just do it. Don't be afraid to do it. Do not fear. Do not fear that. Do not fear that. You see, reality is obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit can scare our flesh at times. In certain circumstances, rather than being intimidated by the thing God commands, let's, like Joseph, be strong and courageous. This issue of being afraid to 
quickly obey God has always been an issue. It's always been an issue. And the fear usually doesn't, it doesn't always, it doesn't always emerge as being frightened at the time. Sometimes it's a fear of, oh, I'm going to lose out on something if I obey the Lord. Don't be frightened by that. Going back to Joshua chapter 1, I think you referenced it this morning. Joshua chapter 1. Let me read to you what the Lord says to Joshua. The Lord says at the end of verse 5, He says, I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, He says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now this land that he's going to cause, that Joshua's going to lead the people into, is the same land, by the way, if you'll remember, that they didn't go into and ended up wandering around in the desert for, for 40 years because they were afraid of the giants of the, of the land. They didn't. If you read in Numbers, it was because they didn't believe God. They didn't trust God. Rather, they believed their fears. They got them off track. But anyway, he goes on, he says, But you, I will, you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. He says this, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that is in the law. Notice the strength and the courageousness is connected to obedience here. And he goes on and he says, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success whenever, wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, and you shall be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you, then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Obedience can be frightening. Obedience can be, can be intimidating. But do not be frightened. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it's better to obey than to sacrifice, as the psalmist says. Obedience... Listen to me. Obedience, while it does not earn your salvation, obedience has eternal ramifications. It does. Now, final thing, and fear not, I would give you this morning, is do not fear... Do not fear ineligibility for God's great salvation. Take your Bible, turn to Luke again, to Luke again, to chapter 2, this time. Luke chapter 2. In Luke, the second chapter, I'm going to read to you. Verses 8 through 11 in a moment. 
but have been primarily speaking to the church. Trying to direct your eyes away from the temporary things that scare you in this world to things of eternal reality, to things of eternal truth, faith-promoting, fear-conquering truth to help you this evening, next week, next year, the rest of your life. But I want to wind up by speaking to those who do not know God. I would be in error if I were not evangelistic at the close of a service. You see, you need to realize, those of you sitting out here in this congregation, those that may be listening to this on YouTube, I don't know who hears what I say. But I want you to know that you who hear my voice and want to know God, I don't care where you're at or what you've done, you are not disbarred, ineligible for the great salvation that Christ has brought. I want you to know that. Now let me read to you from Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. That's euangelion. That's gospel. That's good news. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. <laughs> If I didn't think some of y'all would pass out, I would do a dance. But you know, Baptists don't dance, do they? Wait a minute. I'm not a Baptist. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right now. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just causes you to be like John the Baptist and leap for joy. Now, I digress for a moment. Do not fear. Do not fear. You see, on that day, on that day in the city of David was born a Savior. A Savior. A Savior who saves and is mighty to save was born a Savior which is Christ the Lord, the only Savior, the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. There's only one name given unto men under heaven by which they must be saved. Acts 4 and verse 12. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that Savior that came did not come 
by His own words, John chapter 3, did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. And so the truth of the Gospel, the truth of the Gospel that I want you to know today is that if you're alive, some of you look dead, but if you're alive, and you're breathing, and you hear my voice, and you feel conviction over the sin in your life, and you want to know God, you are not beyond hope. You are not beyond hope. Now, it was in an intentional broadcast on this day that the angel of the Lord did not go to the temple and make that announcement. He made that announcement out to a band of lowly shepherds. Now, that is significant with what I'm trying to tell you about the Gospel and feeling ineligible for the Gospel and feeling like you're not worthy of the Gospel. No one's worthy. You hear me? That's why we have the Gospel. But listen, it was intentional that, he, that the message went to these shepherds. You see, if anyone might have thought themselves to be ineligible for such a great salvation, it would have been these lowly shepherds. You see, these men in this time and in this day, the day when Christ was born, the shepherds were really considered social outcasts. Now you get these lofty images. You go back to David, the little shepherd boy, and you think about these great, wonderful ideas and pictures of shepherds, but that was not the case in the social construct of that day. They were social outcasts. They were typically vulgar. They were dirty. They were smelly. They were unkept. Because of that and because of the pharisaical establishment in the religious institutions at that time, they were religious outcasts. They were not, by virtue of their jobs, permitted to participate in worship because they were looked at as dirty and defiled. And so if anybody felt disenfranchised from the kingdom of God, it would have been these shepherds. But it was to these shepherds, dirt, dirty, filthy, vulgar, smelly, outcast shepherds, it was to these men that the greatest announcement in all the world was made that unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior which is Christ the Lord. I don't care care what preacher Pharisee has told you shepherds. Come, come, come and worship the Lamb. He is mighty to save. The, those shepherds, I'm telling you, at that time, at that period in time, they not only felt separated from God, but they felt separated from man. And if anyone needed a word of hope, it was that lowly group. Now some of you may say, Pastor, I've heard your hard preaching. Does anybody here think I preach hard sometimes? 
Anybody? Oh, yeah. I see a few looks. I've heard. Even had the comment made one time, you, the way you preach, it's real hard for anyone to get into heaven. I'm like, it's all of grace. How, how hard can that be? It's, it's not your work, it's His work. But I want you to know whether you're regenerate or not. I want you to know whether you're born again or not. I want you to know whether you've had a religious experience or whether you've had a born again experience. I don't want you just to assume because you went through a little ritual and prayed a little prayer that you're going to heaven because the pastor said, Hey, they prayed a prayer in Bible school. Let's dunk them in the pool. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But if they're not told and explained the gospel, you don't know. And you can't, you can't, you can't make sure that everybody is a true convert. You're, everybody's going to, Jesus had his Judas. But you need to do everything you can to make sure the gospel is plainly put out there for them. Okay. Now, some of you may say, sorry, I got off on a little trail there. Some of you may say, I've been playing the church game too long. There's no hope for me. Some of you may say, what if I'm like one of those in Hebrews chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 10 that you've talked about, Pastor? Those who, after they have received the knowledge of the truth, continue on sinning. There remains no sacrifice of sin, but only a fearful expectation of the judgment of God. What if, Pastor, I am like one of those of Hebrews chapter 6 who once they've tasted of the heavenly gift and they've uh, been partakers and sharers in the things of the Spirit, if they fall away and cannot repent. What if I'm like one of those, Pastor? Well, i got news for you. If it's concerning you, you're not, so listen to me. Some of you have been playing the church game for too long. You feel like, I have been given such great light. I have sinned against such great light. There could be no hope for me. Well, while it is true, you're in the group that is the hardest of all to win truly to the Lord. You are not beyond hope so long as you are concerned. Do you hear me? And I want you to know that Christ the Lord is a mighty Savior. And He can save the most religious of sinners. He saved Nicodemus, didn't He? He saved Paul, didn't He? He can save you. He can save you. And while... Jesus told the rich young ruler, a very religious individual, that it was harder for a rich man to enter to the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And that richness there is not so much talking about earthly riches as he was talking about how he was so rich in his religiosity. He knew the commands of God. While it's hard for that person to be saved. While that statement caused the disciples to respond, Oh, that's a hard saying, Lord. Who then can be saved? Our Lord came back with this statement. What is impossible with you 
is possible with God. Here. We started out with that impossibility factor in God, and we're ending with that impossibility factor in God. He is mighty to save. And so I would say to you this day, if you don't know this Savior, if you have not been born of His Spirit, then turn. Let's repent. Turn from yourself and your self-effort. Express your sorrowness over your sin. And turn to Christ and trust Him. That's belief. Let all of your weight rest in what Christ has done. You can't do it. He's done it. Rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then treasure Him. Because if that trust is real, then you will begin to treasure Him. And the more you trust Him, the more you will treasure Him. And the more you treasure Him, the more your life will reflect Him. No fear in the new year. No fear. Amen? Grace be to each of you. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed.